0: What up, boy? What up, my boy? I'm living, as they right, say. Right, hey, they you kept right. you What up, big right. you, you good? Yeah, hey, right. they said they kept, they kept right. you on to the you know? shirt. Dude, we always. <laughs>
1: they, they kept you on late.
0: And, they, and they, they told me y'all went to my spot last said, I, like, I missed y'all. <laughs> <laughs> because we went in there. Yo, we're late? We always go late. We don't get off till that time. Yeah, we we dropped, always go
2: we, late. We sure yeah. dropped your name. Charles was here earlier, right? <laughs> no, nah, I was like, well, yeah, I'm charged. No, I, I got Charles there. I, I got
0: there probably like 130. These oh, so. are country boy. That's, them t- that's that. them TNT shoes, right? the T. That's the T. T. shoes right there. That's t- how t- Shaq came on. Yeah. Oh, with the T. T. shoes. I got them from him. <laughs> Y'all don't believe in socks. Yeah, I saw Shaq with these, and I had to get me a pair. Get me two pair. I got a black and brown. You had uh, a
3: lot of input in your uh, Nike shoes.
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah, they did. But I, the main thing, I just wanted my shoes light. Right. Because I played a couple games of MJ shoes. It was so heavy, I was like, But well, he could really jump. I right, know, he could really jump. <laughs> I was like, yo, man, how you playing these motherfuckers?
1: Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cap pin it. I fought they here hear to witness it. Get my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling get me up. Uh. On the mission, get me up. Uh. Knowing me, I got the key. Uh. Only vision I can trust. Uh. Trust. Uh minute take a stomach cap pin it I here to witness it get my people feeling me me well what's up man we back on the pivot it's been some it's been some big guests man it's been some Hall of Fame type guests, and we're gonna keep it going man freaky Freddy, Channon and we got Hall of Famer Charles What's up, Barkley. man?
0: I saw y'all had the big fella up in here. Yeah, yeah. man. He talked he talk bad about you, too, hey, off air. Man, I, I love the big fella. <laughs> we have so much fun. It, 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 that's the number one thing I'm asking. Man, y'all hate each other? I'm like, man, we just having fun on television. Our moms were like best friends. So I've known Shaq. We got to fight one time, and they both called us in the locker room after the game and cursed us out. And we went out <laughs> to dinner that night. Uh, I have no idea how his mom... And my mom, and there was a third one named Miss Martha, became like best friends. They would take trips together, like all the time. The only thing was crazy. My mom was spending money like I had Shaq's money. I said, "Hey, <laughs> hey, hey! I don't have Shaq's money. I missed that because you had sex too soon. I missed that by like, <laughs> I missed that by like three or four years." And uh, even when my mom was really sick, uh, Shaq's mom came and spent her last couple of days with her, and she spoke at the funeral. But so and me and Shaq been together, but man, I love messing with him on television.
1: But like sometimes when you watch this show, I, I, I get uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Like I do a show with Shannon, so I understand yeah. having a co-host who's unprofessional.
0: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> I, I, I
1: get-was that,
2: that what's that again?
1: Having a co-host that's unprofessional. <laughs> but you know, like, like even yeah. I, I watched you one time and y'all were talking about uh Jay Wright retiring, yeah. and you were messing with Kenny about uh, African American studies and yeah. you know you were talking about paying players. Does it ever truly get uncomfortable on the show where y'all kind of got to talk about it afterwards?
0: Nah, the only time it gets uncomfortable, Shaq is very sensitive. <laughs> He's very sensitive. We try to explain to him at times like there is a strategy in basketball. He doesn't understand. He's always been the biggest, baddest MF in the world. So he never had to have a strategy. Like when he played against this guy, this guy, this guy, he just like, I'm bigger, stronger, faster, I'm better. But like for me and Kenny, like when Kenny's like, but when I have to play against Gary Payton, I, then I got to play against John Stockton. I have to have two different game plans. So when I play against Karl Malone, you know, Tim Duncan, Kevin McHale, I have to have a different game plan. So he gets mad when we're like, yeah, man, there's a strategy to this stuff. <laughs> then he starts, well, you, yo, 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 yo. you ain't won nothing. That's when I know I get him. <laughs> That's when I know I get him. Because I was like, yeah, man, we can have a, a, a basketball strategy conversation. I know I didn't win, but like, there is a strategy out here. But it's funny, though, because I always say, like, I can understand he's never had to worry about a strategy, but, like, the rest of us got to have a strategy. Like, for you, you can't cover Jerry Rice like you would uh, 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 a Michael Irvin or uh, uh, Andre Risen. I mean, so, and he he doesn't understand that. Uh, But it's funny when I love to get him going. Uh, uh, But like I said, I know when I got him, when he goes, like, uh, when he starts stuttering, he goes right to the championship. (laughs) And, and you know I'm gonna just throw gasoline on the fire at that point. Speaking, of, speaking of throwing things, take us back to the night you threw the ball at him. You know, I pride myself on being a quick thinker. <laughs> we got tangled up. I pushed him. He pushed me. And then I said, "Well, there's twenty thousand people here. I can't let him do that shit and get away with it." I said, "It's gonna be a. They're gonna break the thing up quickly." So I hit him. And then we went at it, but like, I was thinking my really fast on my feet because I could say I'm not gonna fight that big old dude, right. not unless I got something in my hand or I can get to something. <laughs> but I was I was thinking quick like, they gonna break it up quickly. As you see, I grabbed him so he couldn't throw hands quickly. Right. Uh, but it was really it's just you know sometimes you got sometimes you just gotta fight.
2: I gotta ask you man, I, cause we talked to some a couple other people, basketball dudes. Them dudes ain't built like that. Like, how, what, what percentage of the NBA back in your day and now really, really is going to lock up if something happened?
0: Two percent. Two percent. We're not built like, you know, one of the things I admire about football players, I played football for one day. And I was like. <laughs> one day. One day. And I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. <laughs> uh, I played one day, and hey, we used to joke with my coach, he put me on the defensive line, like. If you're on the offensive line or the defensive line, you're a real football player. Mm. I mean, because you're, you're hitting every play. Yeah. Yeah. Like those other positions, you can sneak around and hide a little bit. But if you're on the offensive line, defensive line, you're going to get hit every play. So I tried it. And I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. Because I remember I was, I was exhausted. I had my head down, and coach said, I'll see you tomorrow. I was like, wait, wait, we're not doing this tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> I was, no, I'm not doing this tomorrow. I'm not doing this tomorrow. <laughs> But that's the reason football and boxing are my two favorite sports. Because you have to have some special in here to do that for a living. Like basketball, tennis, golf, very talented. But like to play football or box, you've got to be all in and willing to sacrifice your body. Yeah. And that, I'm just not built like that. And I don't think most basketball players are built like that. Because you know i think not saying they're soft or whatever, like, but the ability to just go out there and get punched in the mouth Every day, multiple times. Not many people in the world are built like that. Uh, to be honest with you,
1: I tell you what though, I'm about to ask a real question because we've been talking about this light basketball stuff. Channing, you go on, pop open the Happy Dad. You going to grab you
2: one early yeah, today. I bust it. Yeah, y'all go on, yeah. bust it over. Uh, I can't get into the seltzer. Man, you got to try this though. I'll try oh, the seltzer.
1: Man. So you mentioned a day of football. Yeah. right. So you in Leeds, Alabama. It's it's you and your mom. Yeah. How does that type of upbringing in Leeds, Alabama prepare you for Philadelphia, Phoenix, Houston?
0: Nothing can prepare you for Philadelphia. (laughs) Nothing. You know, Philadelphia is a great city. It's a great sports town. But, man, if you're not playing well, it's really not a great place to be. They always have treated me great, but I played with guys they didn't treat good, and it's tough. Growing up, it was my mother, and my grandmother, and me, and three brothers. Okay. And two of my brothers have died. My mother, my grandmother, and my dad—they all gone. So just me and one brother left. But you know, poor people don't know they're poor, so I didn't even realize we were poor until later. But I think the best thing about growing up in my hometown—it's a couple thousand people. You know, there was really not a lot of opportunity to get into trouble. So, you know, you you read on the news where these kids, they're out gang-banging and doing stupid stuff. We never even worried about that. Like, we were like, let's just play basketball or or let's just hang out. Mm. And so I'm thankful for that aspect of my life. But, man, when I went to Philadelphia, it was a shock to my system. Because I actually, other than a couple SEC schools, I really had never been out of the South. You know, we go to El Baton Rouge, we go to Gainesville, we go to Ole Miss, we go to Starkville, we go to Lexington. That's pretty much the extent of my trips yep. until I got out of college. I go to Philly, and man, it, it was it was a shock to the system. But I was so lucky that I had Moses, Doc, Maurice Cheeks, Andrew Tony, all those guys who not only taught me and Moses is the most important person in my basketball career. Mm. I remember, so I was the number five pick in the draft, and I wasn't getting a play. Uh, me and Moses lived in the same building, and I don't want to get a twitter. He lived in the penthouse. I lived, like, <laughs> on the sixth floor. <laughs> he, he, was, he, was, he was Moses. You had a 1-1? Yeah, yeah, no, he, he, he had a penthouse. I was on the sixth floor. <laughs> and I said, Moses, can I come talk to you tonight? He says, sure, sure. I said, Moses, why am I not getting a play? He says, well, son, you're fat and you're lazy. Because, you know, Ryan, the truth of the matter was, I was. But I had never, I was able to get by because I was so talented. Because I played at about 300 pounds in college. And so. That's I mean, that is the round mound. Yeah, yeah that was the round mound. That's how I got the name. And all yeah. those uh, f- food truck and the big dough, pizza doughboy guy. I mean, I had a bunch of. Uh, the wide load from Leeds. I mean, I had a lot of nicknames. (laughs)
2: That that didn't get to you? Like, you ain't tight enough after you started getting nicknames about being fat fat No, no, because
0: I was playing well. Yeah. I mean, I was in school for three years, and I led the SEC in rebounding every year. Mm -hmm. When I got to Auburn, we had never been to the March Madness, and I got us there in three years. So I was having success. You know, and, and Chan, one of the problems with success is you don't really look at your flaws. You just like, I'm having success. I mean, you're 18 years old. You ain't thinking like, hey, I'm like, I must be doing something right. I'm 18 years old. I'm leading the SEC and rebounding. Mm-hmm. I led it as a sophomore. I led it as a junior. But I could get by. And when I got to the NBA, you can't get by the NBA. You have to be in shape in, in pro sports. That's number one thing I tell people. You have to be in shape to play pro sports. And Moses said, hey, if you you fat and you're lazy, if you want me to help you, I'll help you. And he said something that changed my life. He says, I don't even know what you're playing weight should be, but let's just lose 10 pounds. And this is a guy who's already one of the all-time greats. Started spending time with me before practice, after practice. I lost 10 pounds. I get to 290. He's like, let's lose 10 more. Mm-hmm. 280, 270, 260, 250. I actually got to 240, but I had no strength and energy. He says, I
1: bet your head look big as hell too <laughs> at 240. <laughs> I think my
0: head was shrinking when my butt, my gut was shrinking. <laughs> But no, so I got down to 250. He said 250 is your weight. And at this point, I'm starting. And I tell people, if he had have told me in the beginning I need to lose 50 pounds, that probably would have been overwhelming. Yeah. But he said let's lose 10 pounds. And then like I say, once I got to 250, I was just just killing people and and the rest is history. But if it wasn't for Moses, you know, cuz I have known guys who've eaten themselves out the league. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to call their names. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but there's guys I've known are eating themselves out of the NBA. But that that conversation with Moses changed the whole dynamic of my career. I saw you quoted somewhere saying uh, your grandmother gave you hell after the game. She criticized you. My grandmother is the greatest person in my life. Uh, she's, she was just amazing. But she used to drive me freaking nuts because she thought she was a, a player coach. <laughs> and she called me after... Uh, every game, and you embarrassing me, boy. You had seven damn rebounds. <laughs> I'm like, Granny, no, I don't want to hear it. You should never not get double-digit rebounds. That's the thing that got you to the NBA. I need double-digit rebounds every damn night. And you got to understand, my grandma was crazy. So growing up to make money, she sold alcohol on the weekend. <laughs> so- Liquor or rubbing mo- alcohol? Mo- moonshine? Just uh, bottles of alcohol and beers. So from Friday night to Sunday night, we had like the neighborhood bar. And me and my brothers were kind of like, we was heppin'. like. But she had like a closet with like probably eight to 10 bottles of alcohol and a refrigerator full of beer. Because there's really no black bars in my hometown. And like I say, and so starting at Friday night at 6 o'clock, Guys would start coming over, playing cards and drinking, and they wouldn't leave until Sunday night around six. And it was a fight. Hey, and my grandmother walked around with a, a six shooter, and she was a she was hilarious. Now that I think about
2: it, the yeah.
0: Oh yeah, because let me tell you something. It was a fight every weekend, because the guys would come with they just come straight from cashing their paycheck to gamble and drink and try to make extra money. But you know, once somebody gets drunk or they start losing their money, it's going to be a fight. Yeah. So she always had a gun in her in, in, in little underwear package. And that was my childhood growing up. And I tell you this funny story. One night my friends, them damn idiots, talked me into stealing a six pack. And this is how great my grandmother was. So I stuffed a six pack in my pants. Six pack of beer. Yeah, yeah. How? <laughs> old?
2: What <laughs> kind of pants you had
0: on? <laughs> I just stuck them,
2: them in. Them the pants the he got <laughs> on right
0: <laughs> now. <laughs> oh yeah, the extra sharp crease. Yeah, uh, p- people have been telling me they just need grandpa pants. These creases. <laughs> I tell, hey, listen. I t- tell this man, I'm not worried about looking good. I just want to be comfortable. Comfortable. So okay. I stick six pack in my pants, and we in the projects we live kind of like on a a little side. And all of a sudden, I get about twenty yards away from the house, and my grandmother said, "Charles, bring your ass back here." And I said, "Oh sh! <laughs> so, I push the beers down; they slide down my legs. <laughs> and let me tell you something. It's yeah, like- on them loose drawers. Hey, hey, Fred. Them jail I'm-, boxes. I- I- I'm gonna tell you something. This it's like the Lord said, and it it's payment. And it's like this angle. And it's like the Lord said, I'm going to make every other sound in the world stop. <laughs> it's going to be quiet. Ain't no other. Man, you can hear those beers, ro- beers rolling down there. And I was like, damn, I'm cooked. <laughs> I mean, you could like, it's like there was no other. The Lord said, there's going to be no other sound in the world right now. And all you can hear is beers rolling down the pavement. But I'm going to tell you how cool my grandmother was. My grandmother says, hey, I'm not going to embarrass you in front of your friends but I'm going to beat the hell out of you when you get back home. That's still to this day the best cup of beers I've ever had in my life. <laughs> hey, those beers came with a price. Hey, hey, those hey, some hey, sauce hey, Redemption uh, beers, hey, things, shake it, hey, man, hey, hey <laughs> I'll tell you, those are the best two beers. But, but that's, that's how great my grandmother was, man. She, but she says, hey, I need 10 rebounds a night minimum in high school, in college, and in the NBA. I told her I told the worst decision I ever made when I put that damn big old dish in the backyard, I thought I was done with her after college because she came to every home game, her and my mom, and she like, she get the stat sheet before the coach did. She was that crazy. <laughs> but the thing that was funny about it, that's one of the big old dishes that first came out. Yeah. And man, I made the mistake of buying her one and she started harassing me. And she'd be calling me with trade opportunities. Hey, you need to. Hey, tell the coach he need to get rid of number twelve. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Granny, you're not a general manager, so you're not a general. Ma- I mean, that, but she be critiquing the hell out of me. It was hilarious. So the big fella mentioned his
3: father being his biggest influence. Yeah. Uh, would you say your grandmother is the voice you heard in back of your head? Yeah. You know, most uh, nights.
0: My grandmother was amazing because she worked in a meat factory during the day, and on the weekend she was a cosmetologist. So she was a hard working woman. She demanded hard work out of everybody. She was a no BS person. One of, That's one of the things, I, one of the reasons I, have, I've, I feel like I've always had a great work ethic is because of her. But like, what I tell you is funny, she used to bring chicken feet home. And you know, if you've ever seen the chicken feet, it's only like, it's it's this, but it's like, this is the only meat, this little piece right here. So you have to eat like a 100 to get like a full meal. <laughs> And it was hilarious, but thinking about those growing up. Mm-hmm. But she was just an amazing person. Right. But you talk about your grandmother, man. You're, you're very outspoken. Right? You know, it's interesting you say that, because every time
3: I hear that, I'm like. No, but the, the question really is, I, I wanted to ask you, or is it more that you're opinionated, or does it tread along the lines of
0: being controversial? Well, you know, it, it has something to do with race, to be honest with you, because. I hear that all the time. I'm like, wait, I don't think I'm saying things I don't hear other people say.
3: Right.
0: But I think they throw those cold words, outspoken, opinionated, when they're talking about brothers on television. Because mm-hmm. I think some of the white guys say some of the exact same thing that I say, and they're considered experts. And I'm like, whoa, hold on a second now. Why do you call me controversial, outspoken? I'm saying the same thing uh, that these other guys are saying. But to me, they use those cold words when they're, when they're saying stuff like that. And, and that, that always makes me laugh. I says, I don't think I'm controversial. Like I say, I saw somebody say exactly what I said yesterday, today, but you throw those cold words at me. And, but I just laugh about it because, I, like I say, I'm going to be a straight shooter. Uh, that's, the, that's what's really important. Because I, I think television is so powerful one of my mentors is Mike Wilbon, and we talk about it all the time. He's like a big brother to me. He says, man, television is powerful. Uh, when he first got the job at PTI, because he was talking about, man, I've been writing for the Washington Post for 25 years, and nobody know who the hell I am. I'm on TV for six months. I can't go to dinner without people wanting to take pictures and autograph. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, man, TV is so powerful. But the problem with television is we got so many guys on television who are full of shit. Like, I found out this when I was in Philadelphia. That's how long ago it was. I, you know, a lot of guys, and they're friends of mine, we'd be playing golf, and I'd say, what are you going to talk about today on the radio? They're like, blah, 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 blah. I says, wait, you going to talk about that? You don't believe that? He says, no, I don't believe that. But, Charles, these fools going to call in and argue with me for four hours. Yeah. And I was like, what? He said, Charles, we're, we're trying to get viewers. We ain't. We Ratings. ain't. And I says, I says, so when I got my job, I said, I'm, I, I want to always be authentic and, and truthful because if I say something, I want people, to, even if they disagree, because I don't think I'm right all the time. But ain't nobody gonna be able to say Charles said this to get clicks or whatever. I'm never going to do that, especially being a brother, because it's gonna be few and far between for us. So we 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 have to really handle our business. And with that standpoint, like, cause I, we were
2: talking to the big man, we were talking to Shaq. Yeah. And I say stuff all the time, get me in, I said, trouble. Yeah. He was like, what is trouble? He was like, did you lose your job? Did you get fired? Did you, did you lose money? Did, yeah. you, did your wife leave you? And I was like, no. Nah. He's like, so what's trouble? In your mind, with you being controversial or whatever the words they use when, when a black man speaks his mind, yeah. what's that threshold? Like, wh- where is that threshold hit where you know you can't go past that?
0: Well, that's a great question. I don't know that yet. Because I don't worry about that. Like, if I say something that I want to say, I'm willing to take all the heat and smoke for it. I always have a plan. Like people say, well, Charles to say anything. I said, well, first of all, I always got a plan. Because if there's something that I want to have a conversation about, I'll throw gasoline on the fire and get people talking about it. Mm. So because I think our job is to make people think. I do. When I like, I want people to think for themselves. I mean, uh, especially when it's a serious issue. Don't just stick with your own tribe and don't try to be a right fighter. I don't just to you no know, think about what you think about it, and then we can have an honest, fair conversation. That's all I try to do. I mean, because like I said, I don't think I'm right all the time. But with the platform that I have, I'm like, I want people to think and talk, and, and then at the end of the day, if we say we disagree, I'm cool with that.
2: One thing I always tell people, too, country dumb. I'm from the
0: Bible Belt. I'm from Atlanta. You
2: yeah. from Alabama. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you have a certain accent. And people mess yeah. with you about how you say words. People yeah. mess with me all the time, how country I am. That country dumb side of it, do you? I believe that when people underestimate you because of your dialect, because yeah. of your your, your your twang and your voice, yeah. that you have the advantage on them. Because they huh. already they already think you're unintelligent. Well, because you talk like you're from the South.
0: Well, I always tell them this, you know, all those smart people, they're working for me. So (laughs) I I, I don't want to hear that, how smart they are. They work for me. Yeah. Uh, They can be all smart they want to. I don't have a college degree, but I got a lot of people working for me, got them. I think it's an insult to people when you try to think you're smarter than they are, uh, because they might be better at something than you. Like, am I a lawyer? No. Uh, am I a doctor? No, but they can't diagram a, a play. They don't know what a cover two is, a zero blitz, and things like that. You guys know. I mean, you just have to be good at what you're good at. Like if they sit, I guarantee you, you you sit me down with a doctor, or a lawyer. I say, what's this? What they do? What's that defense they're running? Uh, how, what did he just do on that pick and roll? They gonna be like, I don't know. But these sick men in the operating room, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I never underestimate somebody's smartness. Like, I don't know how to fix shit around the house. But I can make a phone call and get somebody over there, but I don't know. How, like, yo, man, I can get you some rebounds, but I don't know how to fix stuff. Yeah. So I think just because you a carpenter, electrician, plumber, that don't mean you're dumb. That means you're better at, at that skill, mm-hmm. that mindset. But yeah, but like I say, I always laugh when people get new stuff for Christmas and they're like, we need to put this together. That's no, we're going to get somebody to put that shit. <laughs> right, yeah, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. Going to mess around and get somebody killed, putting something together. I said, No, we got, we're going to get somebody to put that together. You
2: don't do nothing. No nope, light not
0: bulbs. For... I know. I change the light bulb. What well, you get can... on the
2: ladder and get the at the top? I know your house got damn 15 foot ceilings. You get up
0: there? No, I don't do that. You hire somebody? Uh, yeah. You get on the ladder? I, I don't want to get hurt, man. You. Are... <laughs> I don't want to get hurt. You mentioned earlier
1: uh, that you think race sometimes comes into play. With the way that analysts or anybody who has a voice gets an opportunity to speak on TV, the way that they're spoken about, or even when we're talking about athletes. Yes. When in hockey you can fight all the damn time yeah. and it's cool. But if a basketball player starts to push and yeah. he has tattoos and he's black with cornrows, yeah. he's a thug. Yes. But also too, at least I feel in our positions that we have, race plays a part in our responsibility. Right? And I yes. think and I think I think our community gravitates towards us because of that. And So there was something that you did around uh, the killing of Breonna Taylor that you took a lot of heat from our community because you said it was different than a George George Floyd Floyd. situation. How do, when you look back on that, how would, would you have handled that situation
0: differently? Not at all. Uh, Number one, it's a shame that she got killed. Uh, That was really sad and unfortunate. The point I was trying to make, her boyfriend did shoot the cops. I says, wait a minute. Number one, I'm sorry the young lady got killed, but you can't compare that to the murder of George Floyd. Those are two different animals. uh, I mean, I think that's the problem what we have being black on television. See, black people think we have to agree with them all the time. I said, wait a minute, I'm not going to agree with you all the time. And if you get mad, you just get mad. Uh, I think that I'm able to sit back, make a conscientious, smart, Objective, like I say, that like kneeling on a man for nine minutes, they ain't the same as the police coming knocking on your door and your boyfriend shoot at the cops, and uh, it was really unfortunate, but I don't think you can compare the two, mm-hmm. uh, and that 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 was only the point I was trying to make. We can uh, argue and debate right wrong, uh, but it was wrong that she got killed. But I said you can't equate those two things. But I don't do social media. Mm-hmm. I hear about it right. from my family and friends. And I realized there was a certain faction of the black community that went crazy on me. But there was also a certain faction that came to my defense and who came up to me on the street and said, hey, you had a point. And I could say, man, I have tried. We need policemen. See, this is what frustrates me. You have these idiots and fools talking about defunding the police and everything. We as black people, we need the police. Now when they screw up, they need to be held accountable. We also
1: need them to be better as but They well. don't know. They
0: need to be held accountable yes. when they screw up. Because I tell you this, Ryan, uh, who are black people supposed to call when we got crimes in our neighborhood Ghostbusters? <laughs> i wasn't trying to laugh right now. No, 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 seriously, I'm, I, mean, <laughs> I, I said that. I don't know if that little thing they kick out yeah. with the little light yeah. going to do it. That, that ain't going to do it. Because yeah. let me tell you, you know who always going to have cops? White folks mm-hmm. in good neighborhoods? They always going to have cops. And for us to get out here, like I say, we need to, they need to do better. and We need to hold them accountable. Yeah. One thing that really frustrates me.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: I never understand why black folks don't get mad when we kill each other. But like when a white cop kills a black kid, first of all, white folks come out. And I always say, well, why don't white folks come out when black folks kill each other? I guess it's like the popular thing to do, to be seen on television marching with the black folks. But when black folks kill each other, they don't come out and march with us.
1: Well, I think the the first thing is this, though, is that, one, if you don't believe that people in our communities are upset when we're killing each other, I think that's that's a ridiculous notion to not believe that they aren't upset, because they are. But the other piece of it is, too, is one, there have been some white people that have marched. It is now gotten popular. I think the other piece of marching when it's authority figures killing young black men or killing mm. black women is the fact that that's a difference in equality. Like that's a difference in treatment. What, what we do to one another absolutely needs to be policed. It absolutely needs to be eradicated. It needs to be something that we march against. But the reason that people march when a cop whether it's a white cop or with any, any cop kills an unarmed black man is because the thought is you wouldn't kill an unarmed white man mm-hmm. or you would treat them differently. That's about equity, that's about equality, that's about making sure that everyone has the same opportunities here to succeed. It's in no way something to say that black, the black people killing black people doesn't matter. We're also the only race in the world that has a crime that's called black on black crime. We don't say nothing about Asian on Asian crime. White people kill each other all the damn time. We don't say nothing about white on white crime. And so I do think there's power in the way we speak of things. I do do get it, but I do think that because we have a voice, I think it's good that you say you like to light a fire and have people have conversations. Yes. That's good, but that conversation has to
0: come with solution. And I think that's where we are lacking. I I think that the reason we talk about black-on-black crime because, and not white-on-white crime, because we, we're killing each other at a much faster rate, at a much faster rate. And then to piggyback on one of your other points, the cops actually have shot more white people than black people. Because there's more of them, Charles. I, I know that. But I'm saying, why don't the media cover that? The Because well, so, so that's what one of my concerns are with the media. Are they with us, against us? Because when the cops shoot white people, they never cover that. When a, when a white cop kills a black kid, it's going right to CNN. They're gonna send a crew there. But, and these are all the things I like to talk about because I think they are really important. They're really important. Ahmaud Aubrey. Yes. Who's the white him?
2: George oh, Floyd. Floyd. Is there a white him? Philando Castillo. Philando Castillo. No. There's not. It, it, are you saying there there are white people in that same situation? George Floyd. Like, is there a white George Floyd that didn't get on video? Cause I don't think so. No. I, I, no. I was just talking about cops shooting people. No. No. I'm saying just yeah. the cops yeah. cop. That, like, police brutality. It's is something. A, is it's, name something too. it's and it's real. It's. it's, they're, it's they're, very they're, real. They're, and every you played against people that are trash. There's terrible teachers. There's yeah. terrible attorneys. Yep. There's terrible everything, but. Why do I not hear the stories about the Philando Castillo? And I saw a video of that, of uh, George Floyd. I haven't seen a white man get a cop
0: to sit on his neck oh, and I, long you, enough to kill you're, him. You're 100% correct. And all I'm saying is when these cops screw up, we need to make them pay. They, and, and, and the cops have to do a better job of policing each other. They have to do a much better job of policing each other. Yeah. Because we can't have that cold silence, blue coat, whatever, they, blue shield. Because they're putting each other in danger also. I mean, they're putting each other in danger. But we need to address the whole crime wave that's taking over our country. uh, Because this stuff is getting out of hand. I don't know the solution, but we all got to do better. Plain and simple. Well, when they took away the right
3: back in the day, censorship and music, things got a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Because people were able to say whatever they want. It's uh, freedom of speech. I get that and understand it. But the more people talk about certain things, the more followers and you know, people are gonna emulate that. Yeah. Same thing today with social media. You, know, you go into Instagram and all these other different uh, social media platforms, and you can see somebody get shot. So when you talk about more crime, people are seeing it every day. So it's like they're numb to it. You know, if we see that, we don't say, oh, we gotta figure out a way to stop. Like, oh, in, in a month or two, you don't forget about it. It's gonna happen again. Yeah. Just keep on moving forward. So I think that, these companies, they need to find a way to um, regulate social media. Because kids get on there, they see in and everything. If the parents aren't paying attention, and that takes me back to one of your iconic commercials, I, the I am not a role model. And mm-hmm. people took that you know, in the wrong way, mm-hmm. uh, where parents should parent. And uh, I think more of that is, is needed today, especially when it comes to social
0: media. A couple of things you touched on, uh, first of all, you know I do no social media. So I think those people are idiots. That's just me. (laughs) Um, I've been offered millions of dollars to do social media. I'm like, not a chance in the world. Because number one, I don't want those people having access to me. Because I never understand what kind of loser has to make a comment on something. Like, when I'm living my life trying to be successful and do my thing, I never like, well, let me comment on this and say something rude or asinine. but so and I was like why would I want to talk to those people and I'm pretty sure a lot of them are really good people but I don't want to expose myself to the idiots and the fools and the jackasses so I, I will never do social media The second part so I was concerned about black kids uh, when I would go speak at schools so I went to Nike I think it was 1989 and I said I'm concerned about these black kids and they're like what do you mean?" I said I think they think they can only be jocks and entertainers. That was your
3: Sports Illustrated
0: yeah. I remember that. I says, I don't think they think they can be doctors, lawyers, engineers, teachers, firemen, police, and things like that. And Nike says, I don't think that's a good idea. I says, let me tell you something, it's not a good idea, it's a great idea. And I said, I want to make this commercial. They're like, hey, you do it, we'll do it. So I did it, and what's really cool, Nike came to me like a year later and says, Hey, we got to tell you, we were 100% wrong. Like 90% of our letters supported you. But what's interesting about it, so when you're in the NBA, you go speak at a lot of schools. And, and, and we have a lot of segregated schools in this country. So what was frustrating to me when I would go to the white schools, I always said, well, what do you want to do? And they she said, well, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a teacher, engineer, blah, blah, blah. But when I was going to the black schools, I was like, well, I want to play in the NBA. I want to play in the NFL. I'm like, oh, I said, I think these kids are brainwashed, thinking they can only play sports. So that goes back to the fire I was starting about. I knew when the fir- commercial first came out, the media, which they're jackasses, they were gonna jump on me. Josh, <laughs> you part of the media? <laughs> yeah, but 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 I never. That yeah, yeah, hey, was hey, the but, first but, thing like, I thought. Hey, <laughs> but 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 I really feel like I'm a good part of the media because I don't have a hidden agenda. Yeah. I'll give you an example one time. So I'm playing for the 76ers, and my coach is Paul Westfall, and he says to me, hey, because uh, it's, uh, it's my team, I'm the leader, he says, I'm going to bring in a friend on the plane. If there's anything happen, I need you to handle it. And I said, Coach, I got your back. So we're in the back of the plane playing cards, and then I forget who it was says, Oh hell no! I said, "What's going on?" He says, "Rush Limbaugh is in this mother." <laughs> and I said, "What?" And so they so like they look at me like, "You need to go talk to that mother." <laughs> and I was like, Ugh, fuck "All right, it's my team. I'm the leader." So I go up there. I said, "Rush, the brothers." <laughs> <laughs> We're a little unhappy, so can I, I need to talk to you. I said, I'm not going to be confrontational. I want you to explain yourself, blah, 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 blah. And we end up talking, and I actually became cordial. And he said to me, he says, Charles, I don't believe half the shit I say on radio or TV. He says, it's all a scheme. It's all a game. Mm-hmm. That, and I started thinking about going back to Philadelphia when they told me, like, yo man, our job is to get y'all to call in and argue on the radio for four hours. Mm-hmm. And when Rush said that to me, he said, yeah, man, I'm just playing a character on television. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, so we're all part of a game that we don't even know we're in. Yeah. Because let's get one The Democrats and the Republicans are both full of shit. And they said, hey, you got to pick a team. You got to pick a team. But what's the what, what does the team actually do for you? Absolutely nothing. I voted Democratic my entire life. My entire life. And I'm starting to think, like, man, everybody in my hometown is still poor.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, man, all the black neighborhoods are still poor. They all go out to schools, and we've been voted Democratic for 59 years. I've been on the earth. And then I was like, at least the Republicans, they're just gonna take care of the rich folks. I think the point I try to tell people now, man, if you waiting on these political parties to make your life better, you are you just wrong. So you're what do you, you do, though? you got to handle your own business, Chan. you got to handle your own business. Like, you can't sit around and say, hey, I want this part. You, you have to take control of your life. Mm-hmm. You have to work your ass off to put yourself in a position to be successful. Uh, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, but if you're sitting around waiting on one of these parties uh, to take care of you, you're in trouble. So I want young black kids... Don't think about being in the NFL or being in the NBA. First of all, I wish everybody could, because you guys know it's a great life. But most people, as I say, have to get a real job. You know, I want us to have black doctors, lawyers, engineers, teachers, plumbers, electricians, carpenters. And we really need them to start uh, adopting those fields. Because if you're putting all your eggs in an NFL or NBA basket, you're sadly going to be mistaken uh like i say, i wish everybody could play in the nfl or the nba but it's really an unrealistic goal even with your
3: um, that commercial i'm not a role model i think it makes perfect sense that the parents need to step up chan even says looking at the black community itself you know you have parents that are quote channing deadbeat parents because they they're trying to live through their children you know the dream that they missed off out yeah. on in sports and even to this day man when i go and speak to schools You know, obviously that you're going in for career day or whatever it might be. You know, the kids are saying the same thing that, you know, you said back in the day. I want to be this athlete. And that's okay. But make sure that that everything else is intact. Make sure, you know, that the parents are saying, we're going to make sure school is good Mm -hmm. first. Yeah. People ask me, Fred, why don't your boys play ball? I don't give a damn if they play ball. If they wanted to, that's fine. But what I'm going to do as a parent, I'm going to make sure that they're able to compete with that little white kid that's sitting over there. Yeah. They're going to be just as smart as him cuz I'm going to provide all those different resources. But it's it's just it's just unfortunate, right? Yeah, we've been brainwashed. But we have to continue, especially using this platform where yeah. it's just open source, we have to continue to sort of push that, you know, that narrative because it's more than sports. Yeah. You're quoting that commercial, man. I think they should actually replay that.
0: Well, thank you. Now, you know, so it's interesting. I, I, I bought a distillery in Alabama uh, uh, about three years ago. Uh, I got a vodka and a gin, and people said, "Why'd you buy that business?" I said, "Well, <laughs> See, <okay>. you can't <laughs> envy <empty> anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me." You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, so about a drink. <laughs> so the reason the reason I bought the distillery. So I've been trying to give a my goal. My goal is to give a million dollars a year away to charity. So the first year I did my high school. The second year I did uh, my college, Auburn. Shout out to Auburn, War Eagle. The third year I did Wounded Warriors. Mm -hmm. And the last five years I have did five historically black colleges, Uh, two here in Atlanta, Morehouse and uh, Clark, and three uh, in Alabama, uh, Tuskegee, Miles, and Alabama A&M. And when I go speak to those kids, we never talk about sports. I said, guys, we're never going to talk about sports. I want y'all to be doctors, lawyers, engineers, things like that. I says, we have been brainwashed by the system. Because the only black people they see are famous blacks who are great at sports or
1: entertainment. entertainment."
0: Mm -hmm. I said, y'all do know we got black doctors and lawyers and engineers and teachers and things like that. So that's the, and I love your point, we got to be better parents. Like, my daughter, I think she used to hate me because I was like, hey, I'm getting your ass ready for the world. I want you to be the strongest, most beautiful, smart black woman in the world. And I said, I don't want them to ever say you got a job because you're Charles Barkley's daughter. You're going to have to be harder. There's a, Hey, and I don't want to hear about the double standard. Every black person knows there's a double standard. I don't, You don't get to screw up and say there's a double standard. So I said, you're going to read every day for a half an hour. I don't care what you read. And I remember the first time we celebrated MLK Day uh, in Arizona because they came late to the party. And I says, you know who Dr. Martin Luther King is? She said, yeah. I says, well, what do you know about him? I said, well, he did a lot of great things for black people, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, oh hell no. Oh, hell no. I said, you ain't going to get no day off. And I says, you write me a damn report on his birthday, on his holiday every year. Tell me something different. You ain't gonna get to use the same paper. And I said, (laughs) I want her to know about him, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Bill Russell, Nelson Mandela. I always wanted her to know about people who put all of us in a position to be successful. uh, Because I think it's really, really important to know your past because I tell people, man, as a black person today, we ain't really been through no shit. Like, I can't imagine what it's like, like Bill Russell, Ali, and those guys. I can't even imagine the shit that they had to go through. Like, yeah, I'm from Alabama. I've been called a few times. I'm like, hey, hello. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay. Don't be too <laughs> You can't say hey, hello. That's hey, me. Yeah, like, no, No, I'm just saying like, that ain't no big deal to me. Yeah. You know, growing up in Alabama, I've seen some stuff. Yeah. But like, I ain't really been through no, like, some stuff that the older brothers had to go through. Yeah, yeah. Like ain't nobody ever said, Charles, you can't stay at my hotel, mm-hmm. you can't eat where, I, where you want to. So, I think it's important for us to celebrate those guys. I push back and say that's why you are a role model.
2: You're talking about Jackie Robinson, where yes. he couldn't even stay. He yeah. couldn't, couldn't eat with his teammates yeah. and all. And that's why. And I understand the message you were portraying when I'm not a role model. Yeah. But you look like me. You're successful. The world loves you. So you can't decide if you're a role model or you're not a role well, model. T- but, you, you, but, you are a role model but. because you put yourself
0: with talent, you yeah. said, work, yeah. in the situation you're in. You are a role model. Well, my thing is, though, I would just, uh, well, thank you, number one. But my job is to poke the bear. Mm -hmm. But I want to use my power in a really good way. Like, I love writing a check for a million dollars to a historically black college. I know so many kids going to go to college. It's a really good feeling. You know, I love, uh, you know, in my high school, a lot of those black kids can't go to college without my help. And in, in my scholarship at Auburn, their number one job is to recruit black students. So we need to get the black student population up at Auburn. You know, we have close to 30,000 students, and I think we got like 1 to 2% of black students. So Man. I want that to be closer to 10%, and that's why I give them money to recruit black kids. Uh, but I I need this platform to do what I want to do because you can have all the good intentions you want, but black people need economic opportunity. You know, that, that's what they need. And that's my number one objective, uh, is give them economic opportunity. And that comes with education. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important thing for me.
3: We're in an environment, you know, you're not on social media, but we're in an environment where you have the the influencers. I know we, uh, we had a few conversations uh, some months back talking about influencers. Like, yeah. what is an influencer? But truth be told, you know, you, we talk about doctors, lawyers, all this yeah. other different stuff. Influencers, they are making in a year or two a lot more money than doctors and lawyers are making in a lifetime, but a lot of people don't know that. Much like a lot of people don't know uh, that, I want to go back to 1992, the dream team, that you were considered the, the leader, the MVP and the anchor of that team, but you didn't get all of the notoriety.
1: Well, Did, I, did you feel who some said that? Of-
3: what? Magic Magic Johnson not no Michael
1: Jordan was
2: the leader Magic Johnson Come on
3: now Chuck Daly said Barkley brought the most intensity and fire each and every day each and every game yeah. and even Magic said Charles Barkley was the MVP So my question is and the is, better
2: players were not Charles Barkley <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this is my, is my No hey, Fred I,
0: like hey, hey, no nah, hey, you hey, want to bring this, it up hey, bring hey, it up they hey, hey, were hey, better
2: players than Charles Barkley hey, hey, running hey, around hey, them hey,
0: there was only one mother. Who? Michael. So that's just, you were the second thing. best player on the Hell game. yeah! You were the second Hell best. Hell yeah! Green team, Chuck. Go back and look. Go back Can and check. Can I Chuck. get to my point, then? Go, go ahead, please.
3: <laughs> <laughs> my point is this. With that being said, Mike got the notoriety,
0: Bird got the notoriety, and Magic got the notoriety. Did you feel some type of way? No. I'm gonna tell you why, Fred. Number one. Okay, th- let me tell you something. Okay? <laughs> Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Daly. Chuck Daly said to uh-huh. me, "He said Charles, can I talk to you a second? I said, "Yeah, Chuck, anything." He says, "You're the second best basketball player in the world." I said, "Who bet me?" He says, "That motherfucker <laughs> right there." <laughs> I said, "You're right about that." <laughs> I, 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 I said, "But thank you." And I said, and I've said it many times. That's the best compliment I've ever gotten from yeah. somebody. I said, "I actually agree with you." I said, mm-hmm. "But you know what? I'm gonna put an end to that sh- next year." I said, "We're playing them in the finals." Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to bring, I said, I, yeah, because the next year I'm going to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I said, I got Dan Marley, Kevin Johnson. I said, we're going to the finals. And when I got to Phoenix, I told those guys the first day, I said, guys, we're going to the finals. We're going to play that motherfucker from Chicago. I said, I'm sick of people telling me he's betting me. <laughs> I just didn't have no help in Philly. Yeah. And I said, we're going to play them for, in the championship. And we got there and they beat it. And that, and, and that was the first time I ever said in my life, damn. I think there's somebody better than me at basketball. That's the first time in your life. In my whole life. Because I said, Magic was great, but he had Worthy and Kareem. Yeah. I a new Bold and Shelton Jones. Of course he's going to be better. Uh, Bird had Michael and Parrish. But I said like, no, these dudes ain't better than me. They just got more help. But when Chuck gave me that compliment, it meant a great deal to me. But to get back to your point, you know, Fred, the reason I wasn't upset.
3: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever.
0: Magic Johnson and Larry Bird are the two most important figures in NBA history. They saved the NBA because people act like not not guys are making 34 to 50 million dollars. When I got to the NBA, the average salary was $200,000, $250. Wow. Mm. And then Magic and Bird came, and they, te- and they had the greatest rivalry in NBA history. They had racial undertones, yep. but the thing I admire about them, too, them brothers just basketball junkies, Magic and Bird. So when they came to the NBA, stuff started to take off. And then Matt, Michael came in and took it to a whole nother level. So I thanked those guys for making sure I never had to have a job. I, I didn't mind them getting shine at all because like I say, you know, if you're gonna look at golf, you would say Jack and Arnold were amazing Jack Nicklaus is one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. I only met Arnold one time, but I love Jack Nicklaus because every time I see him, he's just a perfect gentleman. And then you got Tiger, who, like, him and Mike are like once-in-a-lifetime guys. But I did not get upset at those three guys because they made the NBA. No disrespect to anybody who came along past it. The only thing I feel bad about is, you know, guys like Russell, uh, you know, Dr. J., most of those guys were the foundation, but we were all born at the right time. I mean, I, I know I'm not as good as Bill Russell. Bill Russell made $2,000, and I was making 3 or $4 million, uh, just because I was born at the right time. And not only just because of the basketball and the money and the you know, Michael bought the shoes. You know, people forget, man, wasn't nobody doing commercials before Michael. Yeah. Now everybody does commercials. I mean, Michael did two things where I always tell people I think he's the GOAT. Uh, number one, he the shoe thing. Nobody was making money before shoe and shoes before Michael. Now guys all making three, four hundred million dollars a year because of Michael. Well, a couple guys are making that much, but that's because of Michael. And then secondly, we all got commercials. Nobody made commercials before Michael Jordan came along. So Magic, Bird, and Michael. To me, man, I think those guys, for me, never had to get a real job. It means a lot to me, those three guys.
1: So I think the crazy part is you're talking about your career. You almost seem more famous now in your second stint. I mean, we had Rick Flair on here, and he couldn't help but talk about how much he loves Charles Barkley, <laughs> and, and that's my friend, and all of these things. And where are you now in retirement? Because you say you're not going to die on TV next to yeah. Shaq. Right, and, and
2: what are you're
0: your plans die now? You're gonna on TV next to Shaq. Yeah, no, you know that's what? what's gonna
2: happen, you, you know, right? You're gonna die right there on TV. I, I got on the set.
0: I got two years left on my contract, and I think that's gonna be it for me. You know, man, I've been doing this for 21 years. Uh, I'll be 61 when my contract ends. Shout out to Little Henry. I just had my first grandson, grandbaby. Uh, my daughter and her husband are wonderful. My daughter's a great person. She's a really nice person. Uh, my son-in-law is a great person. Uh, man, holding that, holding that little dude was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I mean, it meant a great deal to me to see her become a mom, but I just feel the need. I'm smarter man, I, I'm gonna die sooner than later. And I wanted to, not that I haven't enjoyed my life. I had the most amazing life a person could have, but I wanted... Just go play golf and fish and travel the world. And listen, if I ain't got enough money by now, I'm an idiot anyway. Yeah. You know, because I played 16 years in the NBA. I've been on television for 21 years as we taped this. But like, man, I'm 60 years old. Like, I'm closer to the end than the beginning. Right. So do you want to work or you want to travel and have fun and don't have nothing to do? I mean, and and that's the way I'm leaning. But I, but I got two years before I have to make a decision. But to that point, you
2: you 59 now, you gonna about yeah. to be 60. Yes. You ain't got no woman. You ain't does the like, does the man still work? <laughs> I knew it was coming, dog. You still stroking, Chuck?
0: <laughs> man, I've been married for 34 years, mm-hmm. and uh, I have learned a lot. Positions? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I wish, you know. I wish I could have been a better husband. Yeah. I wish I could have been a better father. There's a lot of give and takes in this, in fame. Mm-hmm. Fame is hard, man. As far as, like, you always got something to do. Yeah. When you're playing, you really got stuff to do. And now I really got stuff to do because I'm traveling all the time. And that's one of the reasons, like, I, don't, I get on the plane twice a week to fly. And I'm like, man, you wanna, how much longer do you want to get on this plane uh, every week at 6 o'clock in the morning? So I, I'm just at a point in my life, I'm like, yo, man, enjoy it. Because you know, people talk to me about the championship and things like that. I always laugh. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. You want me, first of all, I want to win the championship. But I'm trying to figure, just because a couple assholes on television say, well, he never won a championship. I'm like, wait, when did it become an individual thing? Mm-hmm. It makes a good soundbite on television, but I didn't realize, I didn't realize I was playing golf and tennis. Yeah. And, you know, like, and I don't want to poo-poo on anybody's parade, but like, let's take Matthew Stafford. He's been a, a good quarterback in Detroit yeah. for 12 years, I think. And then he goes to a really good team and wins the Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah, if I could have went to a real good team, I would have won the championship too. And if Michael Jordan uh, uh, was uh, gone. Uh, 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 no, I, I got my shot at him. I, 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 listen, I met him at the OK Corral. I was good with that. And then I had another couple it chances. It wasn't OK Corral for you. It was, I, I was the guy got killed at the OK Corral. I was the guy got killed at the OK Corral. But, you know, listen, man, all you want to do is say, um, I got my shot. Yeah. You know, I got my shot. And that's all you can ask for. But like this notion that when some guys are, well, you didn't win a championship. I'm like, yeah, it's not, a, you know, it's not an individual thing. Yeah. But man, I, I gave it all I had. I mean, I did the best that I could, and I sleep good at night uh, about what I accomplished in sports because nobody thought I was going to be in the good. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the shit that makes me laugh. Like when I was coming out of high school, I had like five letters. I don't even think nobody out of the state of Alabama wanted me. I mean, um, I tell you, we always joke around. Like Shaq and Kenny were both McDonald's All-Americans. Right. And I said, "Well, why ate at McDonald's?" <laughs> that, that's the closest I came. Like, I think coming out of high school, I was the number five ranked player in the state, in and my state, in the whole state. And, and first of all, I was, clearly I had better careers than any of those other guys. Oh. But I got penalized because I was in a small town. But nobody was recruiting me but the, the schools in Alabama. Uh, and then when I got to the NBA, they're like, well, he's only a 6'5 power forward. He'll never be successful. And then 11 All-Star games later, uh, I think I see that stat. There's only three guys in the history of basketball that's got 20,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 4,000 assists. Man. I, I'm happy with my career. I, yeah. was, I was blessed to play for 16 years, uh, so I got really got no complaints about my life.
2: Yeah. you were the,
0: yeah. you were the, what the the mound
2: round, round mound, mound yeah. rebound. rebound
1: and doughboy. But yeah, I, I say, was hey, asking about if you sure was the, if you was
2: the mound rounder. History. You know yeah, the, yeah, he cares about yeah. the mound rounder tearing the coochie up. <laughs> nah,
0: nah he trying I, I, to go. <laughs> he trying to pivot back to that <laughs> question because you ducked the question. <laughs> You dug no, the no, question, yeah, champ. Yeah, you dug the question. Better enjoy them seven minutes, brother. That's all I can tell <laughs> you. Man, we appreciate you, man. No, no problem. Thank hey, you so much. Enjoy them seven minutes, brother. We <laughs> <laughs> hey, he got more. I got seven minutes That's all I got. <laughs> but it's going to be a hard, aggressive seven minutes. <laughs> that's hey,
3: a, that's you a can, number of you, completion. You're the
0: only 6'4 rebound champ on the planet yeah, ever. Yeah. I, that's one of my— that's uh, really uh, the, the shortest guy to lead to league and rebound is one of my, uh, you know, it's one of my coolest you know I tell people um, when I look at some of my things, I say, this is getting my my high school had never made it to the state tournament, that was a big deal for me. My college had never made it to March Madness, getting them there for the first time was a big deal to me and then in, in the nBA I think listen, uh, represent your country twice in the olympics mm-hmm. is it, a great accomplishment, but I always tell somebody I was actually uh, Talking to Keo Spikes the other day, him and Tutan Reyes, and we were talking about if you can play a professional sport for 10 years, you had a great life and career. If you can get to double digits, because the average career in in all pro sports is like four years. It's like four years. I said, man, I played for 16 years. I mean, I had 14 good years and two hang-ons, but I got no complaints. We got no complaints either, brother. Yeah. Man, we appreciate no you, No problem, dog. my brother. I appreciate you, baby. Oh, of course, yes, Fred. My up. pleasure. Hold up.
1: Limitless. Niggas to me, got pin in it. I fought to to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On a mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. Only vision I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Niggas to me, got pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up.